This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man ihtada bi hudahu wa ba'd. We indeed praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon all conditions. We thank Him for everything that He has bestowed upon us. He is the Lord of the worlds, creator, nourisher, cherisher, sustainer, provider, protector, curer, in absolute control of every aspect of existence. We praise Him and we thank Him. We send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the one who was sent to us bearing the good news of Jannah for those who worship Allah alone and follow the footsteps of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with all the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his entire household, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless every single one of us. My brothers and sisters, when we look at the creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are so many, so many. If you take a look at mankind, it started with one human being according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's declaration at the beginning of Surah An-Nisa. Ya وَخَلَقَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا وَبَثَّ مِنْهُمَا رِجَالًا كَثِيرًا وَنِسَاءً O people, be conscious of your Rabb, the one who made you from a single soul, and from it he created a spouse. He created its spouse. And from the two, he caused a multitude to spread on earth. He caused a multitude of male and female to spread. Be conscious of the Almighty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah make us conscious of Him. This verse shows that we were created from a single soul, a single person. That was Adam. May peace be upon him. When he was created, he was the only one of his species. So he felt quite lonely and he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take away the loneliness. This was all part of the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At that juncture, he was given a gift, bestowed something beautiful. And that was his wife, his spouse, Hawa, may peace be upon her. This was a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you take a look at it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had already planned in his divine wisdom that this is how mankind would actually reproduce. We depend on one another after the dependence upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I may depend on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving me children, but in order to have those children, I depend on the mercy of Allah to bless me with a spouse. And with that spouse, I will then be able to have offspring if Allah wills. Allah has blessed some with male, some with female, some with both male and female, and some He has chosen not to give. He tests every one of us with various tests. And some of these tests are more difficult than others, but some people can endure much more than others. So the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to have two people come together. 
You and I know that in our case where people get married and they are supposed to have children thereafter, they were brought up in two different homes. If you were brought up in the same home being from one mother, one father, you are not allowed to get married. You cannot marry what in Islam is known as a mahram, meaning a very close relation. A quick way of looking at it is if in the Arabic language there is a single word to describe my relation with the person, generally and normally I won't be able to marry that person. So the minute I say ibn or bint or um or abun or akhun or ukhtun or ammun or khalun, ammatun, khalatun, if there's one word in the Arabic language to describe my relation, generally that person is my mahram. If there is more than one word to describe that particular person, I may be able to marry them. That's what, or that's just to make it easy for people to understand. Now, in order for us to understand this concept of unity, we need to understand when two people get married, they have a lot that they compromise in order to get along with each other. Without compromise, you will never be able to get along. And if you start off they say this is a marriage. Wow, what a beautiful marriage made in heaven, so to speak. Everything is absolutely perfect here. In actual fact, there will be differences that are concealed from the public. There will be issues, but what happened? There was give and take. There was tolerance of a few differences. There was compromise within the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's how we got along. Without that, we would never be able to get along. So it's amazing how you take a look at the marriage and what we're ready to compromise, apply it in society and community and here you have a community that gets along. There will be differences. There will be people who don't agree with you. There will be people who do not understand things that you perhaps have put forth. But remember, if you are willing to adopt what Allah has instructed you to adopt in terms of understanding, tolerance, giving people the leeway within the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, allowing them to do their thing and understanding that if it pleases Allah or does not displease Allah, then I should not be having a problem with it. May Allah make it easy for us. I want to take a look at the other creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The reason is... As human beings, I heard a very interesting point being made by one of the scholars. He said, man has, listen carefully, very important example. I loved it when I heard it. He says, man is able to fly in the, in the sky like a bird. Did you hear that? Man is able to fly in the sky like a bird. And man is able to swim or to go into the water, the sea, the ocean like a fish. Do you agree? We have aircraft, we have submarines and ships. Do you agree? So we can swim like fish and we can fly like birds. But we cannot yet live like human beings on earth. Have you heard that? Man can fly in the sky and he can, like a bird, and he can swim in the sea like a fish. Why is it that he cannot live on earth like a human being? Subhanallah. So let's learn from the fish and the birds and other creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I want to start off with the example that I love. The best example that I would like to look at is Surah An-Naml. The Surah of the Ant. There is an entire Surah named after the Ant. And I look at that Surah and every time I see it, I, it reminds me of something important. How Allah has created a bond between other creatures in order for them to achieve something. Let's start with the ant. 
You all know the Prophet by the name of Sulaiman, Solomon, may peace be upon him. What happened? Allah bestowed upon him something amazing. He used to make a dua, Oh Allah, give me that which nobody after me will get. So some of the things he had, nobody after him was bestowed with. And one of them was the absolute and total ability to be able to communicate with all the other creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, comprehend and communicate. So he knew what was being said by the cockroaches. He knew what was being said by insects, rodents, everything else. He could communicate with them by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of these creatures, the ants, one day he was moving with his army and he heard one ant. Listen to this. We are going to learn a lesson from this one ant. He learned, he heard one ant say to the rest of the ants, a statement that made him stop with his entire army and wait. When we see a few ants, we get irritated, don't we? We get irritated. These ants, they've come out, they're disturbing, they're in our sugar, they're in our rice, they've come into the grains, they've done this, and we are so upset. Sulaiman was given a gift, so Allah makes mention of it. When they got to the valley where the ants were, known as Wadi Naml, Wadi means a valley. And a naml referring to the ants. So Allah says, Hatta ida atawala wadin namli kalat namlatuya ayuhan namlud hulu masakinakum la yahtimanakum sulayman wajunuduh. لَا يَحْطِمَنَّكُمْ سُلَيْمَانُ وَجُنُودُهُ وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ When they got to the valley of the ants, one ant called out to the rest of the ants. I stop for a minute and ask ourselves, when we are in trouble, does one of us have such a concern for the rest of us that we will actually call out to the rest to say there is a warning regarding some form of harm coming in this direction or have we downgraded ourselves to below the ant such that when someone is affected in a bad way we become happy and say oh Allah break them up even quicker they should have been broken yesterday ya Allah take a look we have differences sometimes. We make dua for the destruction of one another. The ants did not just say, Oh my friend, those who are close to me, whoever is here among the colony of ants, I want you to know, save yourself. Why? Because Sulaiman salam is coming. You don't want him to crush you without even noticing that he has crushed you. So, Udkhulu masakinakum, go into your homes. Go into your homes. Look at the concern how many of us have the concern for the broader ummah, those whom you get along with, those whom you don't get along with, those whom you had a problem with, those whom you have not had a problem with. How many of us have this concern? Let's learn from the ants. If you truly want to understand one of the benefits of this beautiful story of the ant is to have concern for the rest of the ummah. And that is when you will achieve success, protection from outside harm, that which may harm you from an external source, Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam heard this and he stopped. And Allah says, فَتَبَسَّمَ ضَاحِكًا مِّن He smiled with a bit of laughter at the statement of this ant. 
There was a lesson. Why did Allah make mention of the story? There were thousands if not millions of stories in the life of Sulaiman alayhi salam. Allah selected just a few to speak to us about. Why did he choose this particular story? One of the reasons is for us to look at the other creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the power of Allah, the gift of Allah, and the duty upon us. They, the ants, have fulfilled in a better way something that if we were to fulfill, we would have great victory in the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhanallah, what a great lesson. So if you would like to achieve unity, you would like to achieve peace, it's important for you to have a genuine concern for everyone. So much so that you need to have a genuine concern for the non-Muslims and for the enemies of Islam. When the Prophet ﷺ was faced with some enemies in Mecca, he looked at them and he made a dua. He says, Allahumma a'izzal islama bi ahadil umarain. Oh Allah, I call out to you to grant some strength to Islam by the acceptance of Islam of one of these two men who are considered powerful in Quraysh. Who were they? One was Amr ibn Husham, known as Abu Jahl. And the other was Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. The Prophet ﷺ made this dua. He supplicated, he called out to Allah, Oh Allah, these are enemies. These people have committed atrocities. They have held ill feeling and hatred. You are the owner of the hearts. Such a genuine feeling that wallahi when the kuffar of Quraysh had a question, he would quickly rush to them in order to answer the questions. Perhaps their hearts might become softened. Remember, guidance is not in your hands. But the effort, Allah has given you the ability to fulfill it and He has asked you to make it. Subhanallah, make the effort. The rest is in the hands of Allah. Your duty is to make that effort. So my brothers and sisters, as a result of that dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave guidance to one of the two of them, as was the dua. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu went out to commit an atrocity against Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to harm him. And what happened? As he went out, he did not know that he, this journey or this little trip of mine is going to end up embracing the man I want to kill. Allahu Akbar. Why? There was a genuine feeling. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaching us that your first stop or first point even with your enemy is not just to make dua or supplicate for their destruction. No, you need to ask Allah for their guidance. You need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open their doors to bless them in a way that they are guided. Guidance is the biggest blessing you could have. So when you tell some of those who may not be Muslimin, for example, may Allah bless you. May Allah grant you goodness. What are you talking about? What is the best blessing? What is the goodness that you are talking about? Subhanallah. The goodness that comes with belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us all to the straight path. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless every single one of us. And may He bless humanity at large. Once I spoke and I said, may Allah bless humanity at large. People came to me. In fact, one person came to me and said, can you explain that to me? You want blessings to be even on those who hate us? And I said, what bigger blessing can there be than guidance? If Allah were to guide them, they would become the champions of the deen. Look at Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu. Take a look at Umar ibn al-Khattab, what happened? Amazing. So this was the example that I had drawn of the ant, and it is given in the Quran. So Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam makes a dua. He says, oh Allah, give me the ability to be thankful to you for the gifts that you have given me and my parents. How many of us 
And I'm mentioning this because it is in the story of the ants. How many of us can count or start to count, try to count the gifts of Allah upon us and thank Allah for each gift. Oh Allah, you've given me a thumb. You've given me feeling in that thumb. You've given me skin on that thumb. You've given me a print on the thumb. You've actually given me skin that is good. At the same time, you've given me a nail on the thumb. That nail is healthy. Oh Allah, it grows. I thank you for all these things. I haven't yet moved out of my thumb. You noticed? I haven't even spoken about anything else. I'm starting with my thumb. What about all the other gifts? Have we ever done that? Let's be honest. Oh Allah, I, I thank you for the eyes you've given me, the iris, the pupils. Ya Allah, I can see. Ya Allah, this. Ya Allah, the eyelashes, the eye, whatever else. Allahu Akbar. Just with one of the organs. Thank Allah for it. Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam says, Rabbi awzi'ani an ashkura ni'mataka allati an'amta alayya wa ala walidayya. وَأَنْ أَعْمَلَ صَالِحًا تَرْضَاهُ وَأَدْخِلْنِي بِرَحْمَتِكَ فِي عِبَادِكَ الصَّالِحِينَ What a powerful dua. He says, oh Allah, give me the ability to be thankful. Make me able to thank you, O oh Allah, for all the gifts that you have bestowed upon myself and my parents. And let me do good deeds that are pleasing to you. And grant me entry into the group of people who are pious, who are good. Consider me from among those, or make me be from among those who are pious, those who are good. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the same dua. Amen. So, let's take a look at the ants when it comes to unity among them. They have the queen ant. I'm sure you know about this. And they take instruction from that queen ant. And at the same time, when that queen ant is taken away or is killed, what happens to them? Subhanallah. Do you know what happens to them? A lot of them end their lives because they are lost. Now obviously, we cannot draw an example say, okay, you know what, if... Your Amir dies, you must just end your life. Not at all. Let's not be foolish. But what it does show us is, they have a system they are following. They follow instructions. With us, we don't even follow the instruction of Muhammad wasallam. How then will we follow anyone else's instruction? That's an important question. You know, people cry, where is the leadership in the Ummah? Where is the leadership in the Ummah? I ask a question, do you even consider Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as your leader? Your dress does not show that. Your, your life does not show that at all. And here you are saying the Muslims don't have a leader. Your leader is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But where is your life? How is it being led? And you claim that we have a problem in the ummah, there are no leaders. The leader is there. We have not been following. Subhanallah. So how will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala resolve our matters for us when we ourselves are not really interested in resolving it? We just pay lip service to it. This is why Allah makes mention of something very powerful in the Quran. Allah will not change the condition of a nation until every single individual within the nation decides to change themselves, each one individually, 
I want improvement in the ummah, I want unity and peace, I need to work towards the improvement of myself. People say, well that's foolish. You know, once I spoke about solving the matters across the globe. This was a long time ago, many years ago, before there were so many problems as they are today. Today it is depressing to even know the news. Do you know that? It's become so sad. People don't even know what's happening. And sometimes people don't want to know anymore what's happening. But I had said, if you want to resolve the matters that are occurring over the oceans, you need to first solve your own matter here. And someone actually came up to me and said, I think you are being ridiculous. I said, what? I'm only translating to you what the Quran says. Well, I don't mean to question Allah, but how will that help? He says. I said, I tell you how it will help. If I rectify my life and the one living with me rectifies his life or her life, and those living with me as a family rectify their lives and we all fulfill each other's rights, that family then fulfills the rights of every other family that is around and society begins to improve. Then two societies and five societies, the city improves. Thereafter, the nation, the country improves. And thereafter, the countries improve. The ummah improves. And humanity improves. You started where? What we term grassroots. When you start a building, you don't start with the 30th floor. Subhanallah. We put up all these uh, steel structures and we start building on the top. Have you ever seen that? No ways. You start off digging, going down. And guess what? If it was a person who did not know engineering, they would be saying, look, outside here, there is an image showing you that this is going to be a hundred story building, but they are actually digging, going down. They are fools. Wallahi, they are not fools. They know the solution is going this way. It's not going that way. We have to start now when you visit Makkatul Mukarramah. I, I think that's the closest we would ever get to a real building to actually get to see how things are happening. Well, that's speaking for myself. And you see them going deeper and deeper. You know that this is going to be taller and taller. That's why they are going deeper. When they go so deep, subhanallah, and you speak to one of them, how many meters have you gone? And they tell you we've hit water at 120 meters. And you think to yourself, what is going on? Subhanallah, they are probably going to go up 100 stories. And it's true. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to improve the inside. The more you improve it, the more it will show on the outside. You know, we are taught not to be judgmental. But that does not mean we don't correct people. People say on the outside, I'm not going to do hijab. I'm not going to dress appropriately. I don't need to move around being identified as a Muslim because of what's going on. Wallahi, that's a loss. We are not judging you. You are judging yourself. That's what it is. But at the same time, you need to be open to advice. You will have to be corrected. Someone has to come and remind you to say, my sister, you know what? That's not the way of doing things. It's actually wrong. I'm not judging at all. You must be a better person than me. But it's my duty as a Muslim or a Muslimah to kindly let you know where you're going wrong. And it is your duty to let me know where I'm going wrong. No hard or ill feelings. You don't have to do it in public to embarrass someone. And you, don't, you, you just have to get the message across. That's not judging. The reason I make mention of this, people sometimes misconstrue the statements of the scholars. We have to strike a balance between teaching people not to judge others and at the same time telling them it's your duty to advise. Subhanallah. You have to strike a balance between the two. So my brothers and sisters, the deeper you go inside, the more effective the outside will be. What's the point of having a big smile on your face and inside you are filled with hatred and jealousy and envy and all the other bad qualities? 
Those smiles are not worth it. I'd rather a person let me know open on my face. I don't like you, brother. Wallahi, that person is much more genuine than someone. Salamu alaikum. Oh, my brother. And they stab you in your back so badly. Wallahi, my brother, I prefer a person who did the former, not the latter. Any day. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on us. Let's take a look at another example. The other creature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the bee. The bee works in a similar way in that it has a queen bee. That queen bee decides the nectar of which tree or which plant, where it should go, which flower, which pollen, it will decide where to go. And what happens to the rest of the bees? They serve the leader. They serve the leader. Subhanallah, in a beautiful way. They will go out. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has named an entire surah, surah An-Nahl, after the bee. And Allah says, He inspires the bee to do certain things. And one of them is to actually go over the mounts and so on. And to pick from a specific place and to bring back to the hive. As a result, you and I will receive or achieve or get some honey, mashallah. Some honey. And it is so soothing, relaxing for the bee to do that. It's something amazing. And you will notice that the bees of a specific colony do not mix where they are getting from. Never will they mix. You won't find a mixture of honeys in one hive. No. If it is orange blossom, it's orange blossom. If it is buffalo thorn, it is buffalo thorn. One person trying to change it, they are not allowed entry into there. Not at all. There are so many gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we can learn from. Imagine with us, a person who deviates, a person who goes out of the path, it is our duty to remind them, to let them know, you know my brother, my sister, that's not the way. But you have to choose the best way. It's slightly different from the bee where... There is a plan or a system in place they cannot penetrate. They will not go in. And if they have taken from elsewhere, they will be killed before they get in. That's their punishment. It's considered the punishment of the bees. And this is why every time you see a hive, you will notice one or two or three or a few more or less of the bees that are laying dead right next to the hive. Go and check it. The issue of deception is in the ants as well. I did that experiment myself with the ants when I read about it. What was the experiment? I can tell you. You put a crumb near where the ants are, right? And this was in order to confirm that this is really the truth. Put a crumb where the ants are, one little crumb. You will find an ant coming. One of the ants, the first one to come or one of the first few that come, they won't just go to that crumb and start attacking and devouring. They will check it. They will go around it. They will make sure. They take the GPS coordinates, everything punched into Tom Tom. Everything happening. Subhanallah. And then they go back. Go back to where? To the leader. Guess what? I found a crumb. In their own language they speak. We are not Sulaiman to know exactly how that's done. Alayhi salatu wassalam. But at the same time, when they go back, after that, you find armies of ants walking. Have you ever seen them walking? 
When I saw them, one experiment I did, I was fascinated because I was saying, Oh Allah, imagine if we could hear what they are saying. I'm sure they say, Salaamu Alaikum, Salaamu Alaikum, Salaamu Alaikum to each other as they are walking past. Because they hit each other's heads and they, they hit and they cross and so on. There's a specific way of greeting, you know. It's their culture. Subhanallah, it's their way of doing things. So the ants are going, one going, one coming. What the others? And they all follow the same pattern, the same path. It's like they were told, that's highway, don't worry. You know what? It's the easiest way to get to wherever we want to get to. This, the other road is blocked. They won't go there. They all follow the one path. Have you noticed it? I'm sure we've noticed that much. Then, as the rest are coming, you will find, okay, they will come. You haven't taken the crumb away. They come and they collect the crumb. The crumb is bigger than four or five of those ants put together. Collectively, they pick it and they start moving. Wallahi, I have seen this and I, I was fascinated. And then, you put a crumb at a slightly different place and you wait for the ant to come. And when the ant, the first few ants come and they go away, take the crumb away. Take the crumb away. Guess what happens? Everyone will come towards the crumb. All the ants will come towards the crumb. When they see there is no crumb there, they circle the ant that brought the news. And they close in on the circle and there is chaos. And after there is chaos, they leave. There is a dead ant in the middle. Subhanallah. Why? You deceived us. It's a lesson we learn. You are a deceiver. You deceived us. I'm not saying we should take the law in our own hands. Don't get me wrong. I have to clarify it because people need to know. That's not what we mean. But what we mean here is look at their own justice system and how it works. You lied to us. You cheated the whole ummah of ants. This is your punishment. With us, we deceive our families, our wives, our husbands, our children. Our, and look at what we carry on in life like nothing has happened. Everyone, you know, someone was telling me, well, if you're looking for a decent husband, subhanallah, you want someone who's wealthy, perhaps you have to, you have to make do with one or two bad qualities. Perhaps he drinks, perhaps he has other women, perhaps he has this. If you're looking for a man who's wealthy, that's what, I was shocked to hear that. I was stunned. My beloved men, learn from the ants. Don't deceive your families. Don't deceive yourself. A day will come you have to meet Allah. You don't want to meet Him with a bottle in your hand. I was shocked to hear that. Wallahi. I was told, literally, you know what? If you want to get married, there is something you're going to have to compromise from what Allah has instructed. Not in all cases, but in a lot of cases. It's a growing trend, I believe. How? When Allah has given you wealth, you need to become more humble. Wallahi, that's your test. If wealth has come to you, it's a test. If it did not come to you, it's a test. Do not deceive yourself to begin with by thinking this is mine. That was the sin of Qarun that Allah makes mention of. What did he say? He became happy with what he had to the degree that he says, Innama utituhu ala ilmin that I have got, I got it because of my own knowledge. Allah is not in the equation. I will do what I want. And I have, Allah says, we gave him, we gave him so much of treasure. Can I quickly tell you how much he had? It's a verse of the Quran. Allah says, وَآتَيْنَاهُ مِنَ الْكُنُوزِ مَا إِنَّ مَفَاتِحَهُ لَتَنُوءُ بِالْعُصْبَةِ أُولِي الْقُوَّةِ 
إذ قال له قومه لا تفرح إن الله لا يحب الفرحين. Allah says we bestowed upon him so much that just the keys to the treasures of what he had were heavy for a group of strong men to carry. So not the treasures. The bunches of keys to the treasures were heavy for a group of solid men to carry. How much do you think he had? Brother, you have one plastic card and you think you're a big deal. Allahu Akbar. You have one plastic card and you think you're... That man had treasures that you cannot compete. That's why Allah makes mention of it in the Quran. The keys... Imagine, if you have a hotel with 60 rooms, 600 rooms, 6,000 rooms, tell me how many keys you will have. You have a man who will carry it on his back. Do you agree? Subhanallah. With him, he had keys that a group of strong men found it difficult to carry. What was his sin? It was good enough for him to say, Oh Allah, I thank you. You gave me the dunya. Now give me the akhirah. You hear this? Oh Allah, you gave me this world. Now give me the next. But no. He became proud, arrogant, haughty. And his people told him, Do not become proud. You know, لا تفرح. Farah means to become happy. But here it refers to happiness with arrogance and haughtiness. Do not become haughty. Do not become arrogant. Remember, be humble. Be humble. You're just a man. You're just a human being like others. When you die, your shroud is not going to be gold. No, it's going to be the same cloth that others have been enshrouded in. Remember that. Your grave is not going to state a statement to say inside, Oh angel who is coming here, remember this man had a lot of money. Not at all. Never. So you need to remember, be humble because the way Allah has given you, He can take it away. It is up to you to earn closeness to Allah through whatever Allah has given you with. He gave every one of us gifts. Use the gift to get close to Him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Qarun says, no way. Whatever I've got is, is mine. That was his sin. He was destroyed as a result. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from deceiving our families and ourselves. Allah says the biggest deceiver is shaitan. فَلَا تَغُرَّنَّكُمُ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا وَلَا يَغُرَّنَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ Allah speaks about the devil. Don't let him deceive you. Allah says, my promise is the truth. Your appointed time is the truth. You, the world is going to end. You will end. You are going to come back to me and I will resurrect you and there will be a judgment day. It is the truth. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقَّ That's how the verse starts. O people, indeed the promise of Allah is the truth. Do not let the worldly life deceive you. And don't let the big deceiver, the devil, deceive you or get hold of you. We spoke about deception, drawing the example from the ants. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us be straightforward. Cut those bad habits. And do not tell yourself, I will cut it tomorrow. Too late. I am cutting it now. That's how a believer speaks. 
You want to do something right now? We are sitting in a gathering to listen to goodness, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The spirituality here will be very different from the spirituality the moment you exit the door. So if you need to make resolutions, you make them here and you make them now. Oh Allah, the bottle I have had, forgive me. I admit my sin. I will never ever do it again. Oh Allah, and I regret it. Now it needs to happen. You haven't been in hijab. You need to promise now that the change will happen. Don't wait until you get outside. You'll meet your friend and you'll meet another friend whom you may be in cahoots with when it comes to committing or perpetrating the sin or that which displeases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what will happen? She will tell you, ah, did you hear about the hijab? Yeah, we are ready. I think from Ramadan we will start. From Ramadan we will start. And the third one comes, yes, that's a good idea. Ramadan we will start. What happened? Shaitan took you to stretch the issue from now to Ramadan. You don't know the angel who is prescri- or who has been given the task of taking your soul away is already confirmed. And you will not see next Ramadan. How do you know? You may never see the next Ramadan. You need to do it here and now. That is a mu'min and a mu'mina. And Allah says it clearly. وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةُ أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ It is not befitting for a true believing male or female that once Allah or His Messenger have declared something that they feel they have the right to have a say in that regard. They don't. They immediately surrender to what Allah has said. Brothers and sisters, don't you want Jannah? Don't you want peace? Don't you want unity? Don't you want goodness? Well, it starts by fulfilling the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have more examples in Surah An-Naml. I want to go to other creatures of Allah that you perhaps never thought of that we can learn a lesson from. Can I give you an example? At the beginning of the 20th part of the Quran, and that is in Surah An-Naml, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the creation. He makes mention of the water. In fact, before the water, he says, what a beautiful verse. Allah is asking a question. Who is it that is better? These gods that Quraysh is worshipping or the one who has created. What did he create? The one who created the earth. And he has made rivers flow between. So he created the earth and he has created rivers flowing in between on the earth. There are rivers on the earth and even under the earth. Do you know that? Rivers. Water table they call it. And then he says, he has created mountains. Rawasi, referring to the mounts. I want to stop for a moment. What is a mountain? Made up of what? Have you thought of it? Particles. Particles of what? Particles of sand. Do you agree? Sometimes they become a little bit hard. Sometimes they are stone. Sometimes rock. But generally, particles of sand. If there is one particle of sand... 
in the air you won't even see it. Why? It is one particle. No unity. No peace. Listen to where I'm heading. The minute you put 20 million particles of sand, what do you have? A little hill. Now when the wind blows, a few might go, but the hill stays. The minute you have billions of particles all together, you have a mountain in front of you. Without the other, one is nothing. A small group is zero. You have the entire massive mountain of sand. That's when it's called a mountain. Mountain of stones, mountain of rock. All together, they have achieved. They are now known as a powerful mountain. So much so, people fear the mount. Why? Perhaps a volcano might erupt. Something might happen. What happened? It was a mountain. Learn from the creature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is this creature? The sand, particles. Singularly, they are blown away together. They make something feared. The ummah has a similar example. Singularly, you are blown away. Together. Yes, not every particle of sand is the same size. Not every rock or stone is the same size. It differs. The colors may differ to a certain degree. Sometimes the size differs, obviously it does. But all together they come together and what happens? They make that mountain. May Allah grant us a lesson. I move further. Water. What is water? One single droplet of water, you won't even see it. What is water made up of? Okay, before I tell you, let me just lighten this place up a little bit with a note of laughter, inshallah. Let's listen to this. There were two boys, okay? And these two boys were taught in the madrasa that you have to say Bismillah for everything you do. And every time you eat and anything that comes, the hadith says you must say Bismillah for everything important that happens. Without Bismillah, it is actually not going to have any blessings in it and it's going to fail. That's what we are taught. Everything that you want to do of importance, you must say Bismillah. So the one boy was drinking water. So his friend tells him, say Bismillah. He says, for what? I'm just drinking water. I said, say Bismillah. He says, I'm just drinking water. He said, didn't you hear we were told about it? He said, no, this is water. So he said, no, you have to. He said, why? Give me a good reason. So the one boy is thinking of a reason and he couldn't think of a good reason, but he came up with something very scary. He says, look, you have to say Bismillah because water comes. Water comes with three jinns. He said, what? Jinn. He says, yes, now everyone is scared of jinn. If I were to tell you there are jinn here listening to us, we would walk out, I think. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. So what was he told? The one boy is telling the other, say bismillah, because with water there are three jinns. There are what? Three jinns. He said, how? He said, yes. Didn't you hear in science we learned there are two hydrogens and one oxygen? <laughs> Masha'Allah. 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 Barakallahu feek. This was the result of the question I asked just before I thought of this. It was, what is water made up of? Well, it's made up of jinn. I mean, two hydrogen and one oxygen, right? H2O, agree? One particle of H2O alone, you will not see. Do you know that? If H2O together, you won't see it because it's in the air. It's considered humidity. Do you actually see it? No, you don't because it's one. But hang on. When it clusters together, it will drown you. You will fear. You will be scared. You will be worried. 
Do you know that? Together it makes those anhar that Allah speaks about in the same surah, surah An-Naml. Allah says those anhar, those rivers, Allah just mentions it. But I'm drawing an example of unity. I'm drawing that example to say, listen, think about it. The water that is mentioned there in the same surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you sit and ponder over His creation, you will realize these particles are nothing. Can I tell you? Plastic. What is plastic made up of? So much. So many particles put together, compressed, they make plastic. The same applies to anything you are seeing here. Put together. That's when it makes something. If it's not together, it makes nothing. The clothing you are wearing, what happened? They got together. Yarn, cotton, so on, wool, whatever it was. They transformed it from one to the other. They got this, the thread, and they kept it, and they pushed it all together. Take a look, take a look. Look at how it's woven, subhanallah. It's all together. If there is a line, you won't want to wear your clothing. Right? Or you will be shy, maybe. I know the Nigerians dress very well, mashallah. Really smart, subhanallah. You know, I was fascinated by the different types of headgear, and mashallah, the way it matches with the clothing and how it's tilted to one side and how there is a dent on the side. And I'm asking, how does the dent come? You know, subhanallah. It's a pity I couldn't take a, a, a deeper look at the sisters and how they do things. But subhanallah, I'm sure they do it well as well. But everyone is proud. Your clothing. What do you learn from your clothing? You learn that when it, things come together, they give me a beautiful piece. If it's torn apart, I've got no peace. Same applies to the ummah. Same applies to your family, your home. You've got to get together. One can't say, hey, I don't get along with that one. No, no, not me. There'll be a hole there. Subhanallah. May Allah forgive us. So these, this is the example of the ocean or the, the river. Even the cup of water you have. How many H2O particles are in there? You won't be able to count them. You won't. That's a gift of Allah. And then you have the oceans. So we spoke about the mountains, we spoke about the oceans. Allah speaks about hada'iqa, rata bahjatin. Allah speaks of gardens that are beautiful. How can a garden be beautiful when it has only one rose in it? It has so many of one type and another type and mixed and the colors and so much happening. Together it makes a garden that is plush. It looks beautiful, doesn't it? Take a look at one rose, one flower. Does it just have a single petal? If it has a single petal, you will throw it away. It has so many petals put together. Each one complements the other. You notice? The rose, so beautiful. How is a rose a rose? Because when the petals grow, they, they are uniquely designed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will grow such that one covers the other and keeps on covering and keeps on covering. In fact, it grows the other way. It comes from the center and grows outward. Subhanallah. It comes from the center and grows outwards. With all these petals together, they make a beautiful flower. Even the sunflower, if you look at it, when one is missing, you will say, this is not uh, the proper sunflower that I want. Just put it aside. Agree? One petal missing. And when you have so many, there is a rose bush, mashallah. These are the roses. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us peace in our homes. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us peace in our communities, societies, in our nations, across the globe. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with unity. I want to end by making mention of something. Unity does not mean uniformity. Remember that. Unity does not mean uniformity. The two are different. 
Uniformity means everyone is this, doing the same thing, perhaps thinking the same, perhaps eating the same, perhaps everything the same. No, that's not what unity means. Unity is the ability to live with one another with your difference. That's what it is. To tolerate one another, to be able to tolerate the differences of others. Then you achieve unity. It's not uniformity. We mix it up as Muslims. Subhanallah. What is the mixing? We say, we're not united. We're not united. You know, this one is this, this one is that, and this one. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Can we live together with our differences? You know, you will never be able to make the Hanafis Shafis. You will never be able to make the Malikis into Hanbalis. You will never be able, and so on. You know what I'm talking about. But you will be able to coexist in a beautiful way. You will be able to respect each other's differences. That is united. We are united completely by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wherever we are supposed to be united. Which means we get along with each other. We get along with each other. I don't need to think exactly like you. I can think differently. My likes and dislikes can be different from yours. A person can be sinful, but you are united not in the sin. Remember this. That's your difference. But you tolerate the person knowing that you may sin differently and I will fulfill my duty that is placed on my shoulders by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remind the person. That's my duty. When Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was sent, he was clearly told, In alayka illa Indeed, your duty is none other than conveying the message. Subhanallah. Your duty is none other than Convey. You cannot shove guidance down the throats of the people. Here is his uncle Abu Talib passing away on his deathbed. The messenger, the best of creation, the most noble of all prophets, personally telling him, Oh my uncle, say one statement and I will fight your case on the day of judgment. Ya ammi, kul kalimatan qiyamah. Oh my uncle, say one word. I will fight your case on the day of judgment. The uncle did not say it. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was saddened by this. Saddened by the fact that he was a decent man. Wallahi, he helped the cause in the sense that he protected his nephew and so on. And Allah revealed verses. You will not guide whomsoever you wish. It is Allah who guides whomsoever He wishes. But we reach out to one another. My brothers and sisters, it's not enough just to pray for unity and peace. Yes, that is part of our duty. But that's not enough. We need to work towards it by obeying the instruction of Allah. By learning what our deen is all about. By becoming serious when it comes to our relationship with Allah. Wherever we have faltered as human beings, let's get up and turn back to Allah. Yes, we are humans. We do have human nature. We may falter from time to time. But the winner is he or she who keeps on turning to Allah without losing hope ever. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us unity and peace. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestow upon us goodness. It is indeed an honor to be in your midst in this beautiful city of Abuja in Nigeria. And I hope and I pray that Allah brings us back again in his obedience here in this beautiful city and nation and country. And perhaps to various other cities as well in this same country. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us 
the eradication of the menace of those who are using the, the deen and the religion to perpetrate crimes against humanity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from them. May Allah guide them. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save our nations from this type of menace. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah wa bihamdih. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayki.